Hello, Mac family. My name is Nate Egger. I am one of the elders at Mac Ave Community Church, and I have the privilege of bringing God's word to you today. Thank you for joining me as we journey through scripture together. Before we get into that, though, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for just this chance in the Advent season, Lord, the Christmas season, Lord, to pause, to pause for a whole month, Lord, and to just consider the weightiness of what it means that our Creator God became flesh, that He joined the world as a helpless baby boy in a no-account town in a conquered kingdom, Lord, 2,000 years ago. What a... What a crazy and wonderful thing that was. Lord, you are so good to us, Lord, to give us yourself. Lord, not only to be born as a child, Lord, but to live with all the struggles that we know, Lord, to be tempted just as we are, Scripture tells us, and to overcome. Lord, we thank you that you lived a sinless life, Lord, and that you died on a cross, Lord, as a sacrifice for our sins, Lord, that you let your own creation nail you to a cross, that we could have our sins paid for and that we could be in right relationship with you once more. Lord, what a, you are, you are too good for us, too good, Lord. Um, we just are so grateful for the ways that you have loved us and cared for us. Um, and that you did that while scripture tells us that we were still your enemies, Lord, that you, that you loved us and that you died for us while we were still your enemies. Lord, what a gift. Amen. Okay, so this is the end of the Advent season. It's actually over now. Um, it ended on Christmas. You know, we've during this season we've gotten to look at a few characters who were who entered into Jesus's life at various points. We've looked at Mary and Joseph. We've looked at the shepherds. We've looked at the wise men and Zechariah. And today we're going to continue with that idea. We're going to examine two more folks uh, by the names of Simeon and Anna, who met Jesus shortly after he was born. And we find their stories in Luke chapter 2. Uh, if you want to turn with me there, Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38 going to start by reading that for us, and then we'll just kind of walk through it together. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so we're going to walk through this passage, um, I think, fairly quickly. Um, There's a few things I want to, well, mainly just one thing I want to point out before we get into Simeon and Anna. Um, Did you notice how many times the law of Moses was mentioned? It's also called the law of the Lord. Uh, It's, by my count, mentioned at least four times in the first six verses. Um, I point that out because I, I think sometimes we, we think that Jesus kind of just made the Old Testament obsolete. And as a result, we don't really look at the Old Testament. Um, but Jesus and his parents and Simeon and Anna all thought very much of the law of the Lord. And they saw it as the way God revealed himself to his people. Uh, They saw it as a law to be followed and to be respected. Um, Jesus, of course, fulfills this law. And um, in doing so, uh, we aren't held to the same, a lot of the same laws that the ancient Israelites were. But Jesus himself says elsewhere, I think in Matthew five seventeen that, you know, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Um, and Luke later records Jesus as saying, you know, heaven and earth will pass away before one iota of the law passes away. And so I point that out, not because it's terribly relevant to the rest of what we're saying, but because it's in the passage. And I think it's, it's, worth remembering um, that the law continues to be part of our scriptures today. It continues to reveal God's character to us. It continues to remind us of his holiness, of his otherness, of our inability to reach him apart from Jesus. You know, Israel had had the law for over a thousand years by the time Jesus came, and no one had been able to fulfill it perfectly. Um, yeah, it's just a reminder that we, that we need Jesus. 
and in its just in its in its breadth and in its the just the areas of life that it covers i think it's a good reminder that god is intimately concerned with every detail of our lives all right as pastor eric used to say that that was for free now let's get to uh, simeon and anna all right so in this passage you know we meet simeon we're not told how old simeon is but when i read the passage i get the sense that he was pretty old that he was probably past the point where he would have been expected to die you know because it seems like he's just holding on to this promise um that he's going to see the Lord's Christ before he dies. And he's described as a righteous and devout man. The same word for righteous is used earlier by Luke to describe Elizabeth and Zechariah in chapter 1, verse 6, which reads, And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. I think in that passage, we get a better sense of what righteous meant. Um, it just, it meant walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. It meant faithful adherence to the law of the Lord. He's also, Simeon is also described as devout, which you know carries the connotation of devotion, of faithfulness over time. Probably not only to God, but to those around him. The other times... Luke uses the word, it's usually in a, it's used to describe people who are being faithful over time or faithful under duress. Um, and he's, he's righteous and devout. He's faithfully waiting, faithfully following the commandments of God, waiting for this promise, like so many other of the Israelites of his day, waiting for, you know, he describes the, you know, the Lord's Christ, the consolation of Israel. Um, he is also a prophet. Um, the passage describes, you know, him as having the Holy Spirit being upon him and having special revelations from the Holy Spirit. We get to see, you know, some of that revelation here. It sounds like there was probably other ones in his life. Uh, Anna also is de described as a prophetess of one who has a particular relationship with the Holy Spirit where she receives direct revelations from God. You know, she receives the revelation that this, you know, probably a baby that was a little over a week old was the king of the universe, the creator of the world. And she immediately picks him out of this crowded temple and recognizes him as king um, I think it's significant, and some sometimes it's significant that she is a woman and that she is a prophetess. Uh, she's not the only one in Scripture that's described that way. Miriam and Moses' sister is described that way. There's another woman, Huldah. Um, in Isaiah, there's an unnamed prophetess who's probably his wife. And later on in Acts, Luke also mentions that Philip the evangelist had four daughters with a gift of prophecy. I point this out just to remind us that the Holy Spirit's gifts are poured out across humanity without regard for gender, 
or socioeconomic class. Um, in Acts 2, you know, when Peter is getting up and preaching to the, the crowd at Pentecost, he refers back to a prophecy by Joel, which reads, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my flesh on all. I was pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So I don't think the church has always done a great job of acknowledging just the, the equal gifting among people. Um, whether that be by excluding races or by excluding genders from the, from the table. But here we get a reminder in scripture of a woman chosen by God to receive direct revelations from him. While we didn't get Simeon's age, we do get Anna's. It describes her as advanced in years and later on says she is 84. We get also a glimpse into her life. She was married, lived with her husband for seven years before he died, and then since that point has been living in the, I mean, it sounds like she's been living in the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. In those days, women usually got married around the ages of 13 to 18. If that was true for Anna, that means she's spent about 60 years, maybe a little bit more, at this. She's been a single woman, a, a widow, without protection, largely in this society, pouring out her life in worship, in prayer and fasting, in devotion to God. That's a long time. You know, longer than a lot of us at Mac have been alive. Um, and to to have that kind of single-mindedness over time is a remarkable thing. I think there's a, a, a few ways that, that people received Jesus' coming in Scripture. We've already examined a few of them, you know, in the characters that we've seen thus far in the Advent season. And... You know, in this passage, we get a couple more. Uh, Simeon, I think his reaction is probably best described as just a sense of peace, a sense of fulfillment. Um, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He reminds me of, you know, footage that I've seen of marathon winners collapsing over a finish line in happy tears knowing that all of the hours and miles that they spent training and training and training for this moment were worth it anna's reaction i i would describe as joy the kind of joy that wells up inside you and overflows like a new mother with a child who just wants to share with you, you know, the latest thing that the child has said or done, you know, whether it's rolling over or crawling or walking for the first time, 
and always has a full full of pictures to show you um, their their child and I just so so full of joy that that joy can't be complete until it's shared with others but those those are not the only reactions and as I as I read this passage I wonder what my reaction would have been you know Simeon's prophecy he talks about the child being appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed so that the thoughts from many hearts would be revealed. I think we see that in the story of the wise men and Herod. Obviously, Herod was fearful that Jesus would take over his throne. And because of that fear and that hatred, he did the unimaginable. He had all the baby boys under two years old in Bethlehem slaughtered. He certainly opposed the idea that Jesus would come and then Jesus would bring a new kingdom in. We see the same reaction when Jesus gets older and begins his public ministry. The Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law and the religious leaders of the day sensed that Jesus was bringing in a new kingdom, one where they, where everything they had been building towards would be irrelevant, uh, would be washed away. And they resisted. They made good where Herod failed. They actually captured Jesus and they killed him. But in doing so, they actually fulfilled You know, fulfilled Christ's own purpose. Um, that, you know, his death was not an accident. Um, so, you know, we, I think we still see that opposition today. Um, not to the point of death so much in the U.S., though I, though this certainly happens around the world. Um, a lot of times in the U.S., standing up for what you can believe in means, you know, losing friends and um, rifts happening in families. It could mean losing your job. You know, there are still, still those that oppose Jesus directly. Uh, and that, that fear a, a king that is not themselves. I think there's a, a subtler response. Um, I think if I was living in Jesus' day, I, I fear that I would have been indifferent to his coming that I would have just been so busy doing the things of life, you know, being about, you know, work and taking care of family that I would have missed, missed the fact that the king was here, the king was here now and was demanding a response from me. Like the crowds who were all around this temple, you know, going about the the business of of worshiping God. Um, but did not recognize that the king, the object of worship, was among them. I think that kind of indifference these days might look like a morality without a sense of brokenness, a sense of a need for a savior. 
It can look like respecting Jesus as a teacher, but not bowing down to him as Lord. It can mean fitting in Christ. After we've already fit in, you know, the demands of our work, of our family. I think this this kind of indifference is what uh, the Apostle John speaks against in Revelation 3. Let me just turn there real quick. As he's recording the words of the recording the words to the church in Laodicea. So chapter 3 verse 15 says I know your works you are neither cold nor hot would that you were either cold or hot so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold I will spit you out of my mouth for you say I am rich I have prospered and I need nothing not realizing that you are wretched pitiable poor blind and naked I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. To those I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. So there... There are a number of ways to respond to um, to Jesus' coming. And yeah, I pray that we would heed the examples of Simeon and Anna. I think not only the way they received Christ, but also the way they waited for him. Simeon's life, the way he's described here, reminds me of the ways... Um, a patriarch of a family that I grew up around in Lansing was described to me. I never actually met this man, but I heard a lot about him through his children and his grandchildren. He was a man, you know, who was righteous and devout, who was devoted to prayer and scripture I remember being told his favorite passage from scripture was Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. He spent his life in very ordinary ways, you know, taking care of his family, but he was devoted to prayer and he was devoted to scripture. And he prayed for the for his children to know God and for his grandchildren to know God. And he passed away a long time ago, but his prayers are still being answered in the lives of his of his family. And you know, we're now down to great grandchildren and they are coming to know Christ. His legacy, his prayers, the echoes of his prayers are still being heard, you know, more than 20 years after his death. Yeah, I could only hope for a legacy like that with my own children and my own family. Anna's 
Anna story uh, reminds me of a woman on our block, um, an older woman who's bent over with age and arthritis and walks every day to the corner store with her uh, adopted son who's also getting along in years. He has Down syndrome, um, but she's been taking care of him since he was a child. And every time I'm outside and I cross paths with her, without fail, she talks about God's goodness and about his provision. Um, yeah, I cannot imagine that she will live too many more years on earth. Um, I pray that she does. When she does pass away, I imagine that the world will not notice. She has served faithfully in a lot of ways throughout her life, um, but has has made no no big big splash in this life. Um, but I can only imagine the kind of celebration that awaits her in heaven. God will notice, and God will be excited to welcome her home. And yeah, I just her her life reminds me of Anna, um, of just this faithfulness over time, of this devotion to God, of devotion to prayer, of this utter dependence on God. Uh, and I, I think that we have more to learn um, from women like my neighbor, from women like the... Uh, you know, the countless church mothers in the African-American tradition who faithfully show up to church every week, rain or shine, and pour out their hearts to God in worship. That faithfulness over time. You know, I think that that model that Simeon and Anna are giving us here is one that we're not used to. We're not used to to sticking at something for very long these days. Um, you know, if, if we, you know, we require, we require cliff notes and abridged versions of things. You know, the acronym too long didn't read, you know, because we can't sit and read for 10 minutes, we need a paragraph. Uh, we can't watch, you know, or sit through a sermon, you know, that's an hour long. We need, you know, TED Talks, TED Talk versions of sermons. Um, we have, I have, uh, I think, very little practical understanding of the kind of patience that Simeon and Anna have or had that faithfulness over time. And just want to pull out four things from their example that I would encourage myself, encourage you to consider as you move forward. 
in the, the days and weeks and months and years to come. First, yeah, I think they both are examples of lives that are given wholly over to God. Nothing was, nothing was withheld. Um, we get a particularly good sense of this in Anna's life. She was at the temple night and day, you know, fasting and praying. You know, in giving ourselves over to God, I think there's things, you know, sins, there's brokenness, there's distractions that we're going to need to repent of, that we're going to need to throw off, as Hebrews 12 talks about, so that we can focus on God. And I pray that we would do the hard work of self-examination, of you know, opening our dark closets and and cleaning them out. Third, I, as we as we run this race, we're going to fall. I know I fall quite a lot, uh, and am often discouraged and don't want to get back up and want to just do something that's easier, that's t- more tangible than waiting an indefinite amount of time for a God I cannot see. But I pray that you would get back up, that you would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to stand once more, to regain your footing, to let him straighten your path, and to get running again. And finally, I pray that you would keep going, keep going when things get hard. Scripture talks about, Paul writes to Timothy, you know, anyone who wants to live a godly life in this world will be persecuted. We can expect, we ought to expect persecution. We not, you know, Peter talks about, don't be surprised when you suffer things for the sake of the gospel. You know, Jesus suffered things before us. Jesus warned his disciples that they would also suffer things on his behalf. So keep going. Go all the way till the end. And as your hair gets gray or falls out, as you are also bent over with age and arthritis, I pray that you would take comfort in knowing that those are just signs that the end is coming soon. You know, that Jesus is waiting at the finish line. to grab you up in his arms. And say, I'm so glad that you are home. Well done. Family of God, I hope that in a season that's been, and a year that's been full of struggles uh, and has often left me asking, how long, how long, oh Lord, until, you know, we can be with friends and family again without reservation, without fear. How long before 
you know, brothers and sisters in Christ of different colors can come together without hate and suspicion. In yeah, whatever whatever you struggle you are wading through right now, I pray that you would take great hope in knowing that God has come, that the victory is won, and that he is he is working all of this out for your good and his glory, and that he's coming back soon. Whether that soon be on his timetable or ours, uh, we don't know. Or by his, I should say, by his definition of soon or by ours, we don't know. It will be on his timetable. But family, be encouraged. Be encouraged. God, God knows, God sees, and he is with you every step of the way. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are so good. Lord, it's... We don't deserve your blessing. Lord, we don't deserve the gift that you gave us in setting your son to be born and to die and to be raised to life again, Lord. But we thank you so much that you did do that for us that you made a way for us back to you. And Lord, if there are any who are listening to the sermon who don't know you yet, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to you, that you would pour out your spirit on them and give them the eyes of faith that they can see you. And for Lord, for the Christians who are listening, but are struggling in this time of waiting. Lord, I pray for your encouragement and your peace and your joy to wrap them up, Lord, to overwhelm them, Lord, and to lead them to share you with others. Amen. Thank you again, Mac family, for joining us today as we celebrate God and what he's done for us. Have a great week.